Hello and welcome to the SDC Fit Learning Podcast. I'll be your host today. My name's Ben Scott. I'll be joined by Jason Galea. Thanks for joining us on our way to create 1 million positive outcomes for personal training clients by 2030. The podcast is brought to you by at STC Fit Learning, a page created to upskill and educate PTs and gym nerds. Also brought to you by at STC Fit, and that's a place for all your online and in-person personal training needs. If you enjoyed today's episodes, please give us a share and tag on the Instawebs. You can tag at STC Fit, at STC Fit Learning, at Ben Scott SC, and at Jason Galea PC. Hope you enjoy the show. And we are live. Guitar music fades. <laughs> Man, it's been so long. I don't even know what to do. Yeah, the girls have had two in a row. Hey, two in a row. Yeah, I think we had one banks. It's, it nice. It feels forever because we had the nice coaches' holiday. That's a yeah, podcast holiday. Let's hope we still remember how to do podcasts. So yeah, you know how like breakfast radio they take the school holidays off. Like I yeah. wonder if they ever get like, you know, the um, like they have to blow the cobwebs out when they get back on the mic or something. Yeah, how do I do this again? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Do you like my Christmas tree? It's very aesthetic for the ear people. Yeah, it's very aesthetic because Amy put it together. It was actually our main Christmas tree, but Amy got a new one for her birthday and it's fucking a monster. Actually, it's like your one, just like real full and bushy. So yeah. I got the like shit one. In my yeah, the last one's another Christmas tree. And I'm like, every Christmas we have the same conversation. Like, I want another Christmas tree. I'm like, well, you're not getting one because we're <laughs> up for like three weeks a year. Yeah. And I don't want to store this one and have another one. And... I see no value in it. Yeah. I'm yeah. not like the Grinch or anything. Like I like Christmas, but I'm like, just put decorations on it. Like, yeah, I don't know. it's like, it's green, like they're all green and bushy. Like just put shit on it and it changes the way it yeah. looks. But. For the, for the ear people, the one in my study is not bushy. <laughs> it is, it is pokey. <laughs> my, my, my current one's probably not bushy enough for my wife, but for me, I like, feel like your Christmas tree looks great to me. Oh, you like, like, yeah, like yeah, well, that's a that like to me, it's a Christmas tree. Like, yeah. um, it's got it's got a tree. It's got some decorations on it. You can put <laughs> stuff underneath it. Like it ticks all the boxes. Like, <laughs> I don't really, I don't really see any, like any desire to get another one. You know. Yeah. But then I guess, yeah, when I start to talk about like cars and all that, she's like, "Oh, why do you need to get another one for? Why do you need to do this?" So I'm like, "All right, look, yeah, you that, Christmas that tree. home gym that you built. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or maybe you can have your Christmas tree then. Yeah." <laughs> Yeah, actually, um, it was Amy's birthday during the week. I got a, I went to like, I was like, we did the birthday thing over the weekend. I was like, I better go get some flowers on the day. And I walked in and they had like baby little real life Christmas trees. And every year she's like, can we get a real Christmas tree? I'm like, no, we have a dog and it's going to yeah, be no. shit everywhere. Like it's not That's happening. Right. So I bought one. It's like not even a foot high, but it grows to like whatever in however long. So I was like, if you can keep it alive, then you'll have a real one. You can just start putting presents under it as it grows. <laughs> Not a bad idea. <laughs> yeah. And then I'll have the out that if it dies, it's like, I got you one. You just killed it. So yeah. Like, yeah. So I'm never getting you one ever again. <laughs> <laughs> What's news, Jason? <sighs> we, have, big news. we have two, two big news items big, today. Big, big news. So I am, I'm finally uh, out of the gym as a face-to-face personal trainer at Good Life Point Cook. So that was a really big, leap for me so it's how many years uh it'd be like 10 and a half 11 maybe i think something like that well how old am i 
yeah, yeah, I'd say eleven years, I think. Yeah. As a trainer, and then yeah, thirteen, and as a staff member of that particular location that's had two different gyms, gym brands go through it. So, yeah, that was a uh, a really interesting uh, experience. I don't think I've actually like it has sunk in yet. Um, but yeah, like I think it's just time to move on. Just yeah. had yeah, way too much um, other stuff that's kind of you know sitting more in alignment with like where I'm going and where we're going. So yeah, I just didn't want to be in a position to rebuild something that was just getting in the way, which is what I've done in the past. So it's it's a bit of a rite of passage too, for most trainers. Hey, like every trainer that starts in a big box has aspirations of typically doing something more at some point. So yeah, I think the rewarding thing is like, I'm, I'm leaving by choice and I'm leaving to, go and fulfill the next part of the journey for myself. Yeah. You know, like my gym, like it was been a great experience and I was been a really good um, place to work. And I really like the members and all that stuff. Um, but yeah, it's just, I, I can't see myself there in six months, let alone the next 12 months to three to five years. So yeah, it's just time, you know? Yeah. So there you go. It's some exciting news for me. Yeah. Anyway. yeah that's cool. Um, so for us, I guess this, this mythical facility that will encounter or hold a gym that we've been referring to for close to 18 months now actually passed its objection phase for the permit today. So as far as I'm aware, that means we are, we are go. That's very exciting. (laughs) Which is, I don't even, I don't know how I feel about that. It's just been so long. It's like uh, something else is going to come up. The biggest emotional roller coaster of the last 18 months outside of COVID. Yeah. That's been so related to that. that The whole thing's just been an emotional roller coaster. So, yeah, Yeah. I think like we've just taken control of what we could and just gone with the flow with that. So, even now, it's like when it happens, I'll be excited. There's so much other stuff to do. There. Yeah, I've been yeah. mostly talking to friends and family about it, and they're like, "Oh, how's the gym going?" Like, "Oh, we're like the way it's going, all things going well. Should be open in March-ish, so probably April, May, <laughs> like, probably yeah, late I May." <laughs> I cursed the t- I cursed the the moment that I said in twenty nineteen. I'm like, "Oh well, at least by this time next year, I'll be in my own gym." Yeah. And it's, I, I think about that all the fucking time. Yeah, I remember the very first conversation we had, uh, not to throw that under the bus, but we will, because he's not here. Um, yeah. And he said like, oh no, it should be, should be six to 12 week turnaround. And I went, everyone I know is taking at least 12 months. Yeah. And here we are, well, obviously with COVID, <laughs> 18 months deep. Yeah, it's just been a soap opera, man. Yeah, yeah, even just getting equipment of covid like yeah that is going to be a tremendous it's going to be a big challenge (laughs) as as we're experiencing currently yeah but yeah still very exciting i think yeah like like talking about that rite of passage again it's like that's the thing that you want to do right you you start off in the big box gym get your experience be with your clientele do all the right things and then open your own place eventually um it's pretty cool to watch that come to fruition yeah Yeah. amongst all the other shit that we do too it's not just like we turn over sessions and that's it. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, I think the, the exciting thing is they're like kind of just taking that, that move towards like not being a face-to-face personal trainer. Like I, I really 
over the last kind of three to five years, um, I, I knew I wanted to get there. I was a little bit hesitant to committing to it because I didn't know if I could get there. Mm-hmm. And it's like, now that I have, um, you know, it's just like a little bit of a pat on my back moment. You know, it's just like, I'm not, I'm not a face-to-face coach anymore. Like, I, you know, I run a fitness business. It's, yeah. you know, uh, has like two, two main focuses of like, you know, providing, you know, coaching services for people uh, online, face-to-face or whatever. And we have coaches and then, I run a, a fitness business mentoring uh, service as well. And it's just like, yeah, a bit hard to kind of believe that that's kind of how I do things now when three to five years ago, I was like, oh, this would be a kind of good idea. Yeah. But it's kind of going to be hard to get there. So I don't know if I want to commit. So everyone thinks that way. But now it's yeah. like, I've done it and I'm doing it and I'm moving to the next level. Yeah, I think maybe a message like, as much as people tell us sometimes we, we do this banter section too much. Hopefully there's a bit of a lesson in, in this one for people. Like we talk about like the four stages of, of personal training, maybe not so much stages, but types of personal training and their, their employment status, I guess you call it. So the first one, um, and if you jump on our website, this is actually on there as well. If you want to look at the reference, just understand our PT section. So it's like the first the lowest, I guess, rate for a PT we consider to be like the failing personal trainer. So the way we we measured that would be you can't consistently cover your living expenses while saving 10% of your income. So the results that you have at that stage is like you have a lot of time because you don't have any clients, um, but you have very little income, no flexibility because you have no income to do anything. And you're obviously not making any impact on the community that you want to make an impact on. The next step from there, and this is probably the most common with the people we work with now, is interacting with people who have accidentally, typically, they didn't do it on purpose, but they've ended up buying themselves a job. So they're doing sessions, but they're trapped working. If they don't show up, the business dies. Like that sort of model where if, if you don't do the sessions, it's over. Yeah. Um, so they have no time. The income's okay, but no flexibility. They're making a small impact on that group of clients that they're working with. From there, what our goal is, and, and you guys are obviously starting to hear us talk about our standout PT course. Our goal for this course is to get people into a position where they're running a business. So you can remove yourself from the day-to-day and everything still runs. That's how you would determine if you're running a business. So obviously there you've got a little bit more time. Allows... For example, Jason and I to do a podcast or write blogs and, and do all these other cool stuff that we do, present, run workshops, um, maybe actually have time off every now and then. <laughs> um, so more time, obviously income's pretty good, good flexibility, and you've got an okay impact. Starting to influence a little bit more people, uh, leverage, leverage your time to affect more people. Then from there, I guess what we're talking about now, Jason, is like those multiple sort of, pots that we we are in at the moment multiple income streams if you want to look at it that way i just think of like all the shit that we do (laughs) all the plates that we spin all the all the um directions that we place our attention and that's referred to as like scaled business owners yeah so you're leveraging time through automated processes and other team members that allows you again more time much better income good flexibility and obviously a much bigger impact so if you're sitting there at the moment and you're in that failing category, just go back and listen to every podcast and you'll be fine. <laughs> um, 
Joe, we'll have stuff on the website for you guys soon as well. But like Jason and I have both been there. We've both been in that scenario where it's like living week to week. Not sure if you're going to pay the bills. We've both done the bought the job thing. We've both done the running a business thing. And now we're scaled. Uh, like Jay said, he's been at his facility for 11 years or so. I think um, if you're 11, I'm 10 um, as of November. So yeah, like it, it didn't happen overnight. But the funny thing is the guys we work with now do shit 10 times quicker than what we do oh, back then. Way quicker. Almost like this is obviously a very fulfilling thing for us that every now and then I'm just like, man, I wish I had, I had that like, to get that accelerated growth and development. Yeah. It's been so handy, but you know, we're here because we didn't. Yeah. That's it. And even like watching, watching the, the evolution of how we've done that with like mentoring and all that sort of stuff. Like the first people we worked with did it in half the time that we did. And then the newer ones have done it in half the time of them again. It's just, yeah, it's really cool. So I think the access to information now, you don't necessarily, won't take you necessarily 10 years. It might, um, but it doesn't necessarily have to. Maybe just having the vision earlier than what we did to, we, for the probably first three or four years, we were just kids doing sessions, making money, going fishing at lunchtime. It's <laughs> <laughs> very true. <laughs> um, so yeah, hopefully there's a little bit of a message for you in there anyway. Uh, today, we're going to talk about our third pillar uh, from the five pillars podcast that we talked about however many weeks ago now. I think it's episode 122. If you haven't listened to it, I'd probably start there and come back to this one. Um, so we're going to talk about your PT service and what we need to actually consider when we're putting together our package or the service that we offer our clients. Yeah. So Jace, the the... First, most important thing that we need to consider when we're going to put our, start thinking about what our service is. So we would want to know who the person is that we're delivering the service to so that we can start to have a think about, you know, what, what victories, what issues, what problems you know, do these people face um, in terms of their uh, health and fitness goals and, are we in a position to provide them, you know, some form of service built around those that solves those problems, reinforces those victories. Um, and, you know, ultimately that person who is the person you guys want to work with aligns with, you know, kind of what you do as a coach and a PT. And I know like yesterday's call in the, in the mentorship program or in the, the coaches Academy, like the biggest highlight um, for the guys in that call was that, like they still haven't really kind of worked out who that person is. Um, and you can see that a lot of the, the um, kinks in the chain are coming from that. Like everything seems a tiny little bit disjointed. Um, and it just comes down to, you know, having the right steps to getting to know the person too. So I think that like some people may have heard this before, but I don't know if, anyone's got the right steps at the moment to logically try and put them together and to get to know this person and have a think about what their biggest problems are. Yeah. I think what's interesting is I don't know if it's the circle or if it's a, it's a COVID thing maybe because more people are spending more time online and readjusting and designing their businesses. Like the word niche pops up way more than it ever used to. I think at the moment it's a really popular thing that everyone wants to talk about and knowing your ideal client avatar or uh, who is your niche and all that sort of stuff like that conversation happens a lot. But what I find 
A, they, they obviously typically don't do it effectively or refine it well enough, which is what we talked about in the last last episode that we did. Um, but they also don't actually then take that information and think about what it means to your service. Yeah. So it's like how your client thinks, behaves, what they value, what's important to them, what car they drive, where they live, how much money they make, their social status, um, income status, all of those things actually do have an impact on how you're going to coach them. Mm. So to give you, I guess, an example of that, um, if you're going to, so I've got in the past worked with obviously a a much more broad clientele. So I used to have PT, like up and coming PTs that had just started out that were like sponges and were just like, I'm paying you A for coaching, but B because I want to learn what you know. So hundreds of questions all the time. Um, why is this in my program? Why do you do it this way? Why are we changing my macros like this, et cetera, et cetera. And at the same time, I had a couple of corporate clients that just totally outsourced every single part of their health and fitness to me. Um, one of them was even like, can you send what you want me to eat to my, um, I guess you'd call it a housekeeper uh, who cooked and shopped for it. So it's like, can you just send to her what I need to have and she'll just prep my lunches and dinners and I'll just have my normal breakfast every day. So it's like that level of service. If you're going to train all high-flying corporate individuals who work 70 hours a week and actually don't give a fuck about learning macros, giving them a data sheet to enter their weekly macros is a waste of time. They're not interested. You're going to have to find other ways to do that. And if you're not qualified in nutrition, maybe that's partnering with a nutritionist. That's part of your service starting to think about these things and then flip side. Okay. You're working with nerds who want to learn what, how, when they ask the 400 questions, do you have to answer those questions each time? Are they rushed answers? Are they in depth? Are they good quality? Or have you got assets or we call them assets, but most people refer to them as resources available for those people to go and read and watch and look at. And I think the, the time as you, as you refine your niche over time as well, like your ideal client, figure out who they are, getting this right actually saves you a shitload of time. So when we talked about like those types of PTs, if you're in that kind of position at the moment where you've bought a job and you have no time, a lot of that is probably in backend stuff because you haven't ironed this out well enough to understand, okay, what exactly does my clients need? Um, like Jace, I know you're the same, like your check-in process can vary depending on the client anywhere from three to 15 minutes, depending on who they are. Yeah. But it's like some people look at you and go, fuck three minutes. Like that's, that's not, I've seen it in people's face where it's like, well, that's not a very good service. And it's like, no, no, no. Cause everything else is provided. All their problems are solved. Mm-hmm. And it's like, tell me what you need from me this week. And it's like, I have everything. Everything's perfect. The progress is happening the way I wanted to keep as is. Yeah. Um, and then obviously, yeah, the, the, the longer ones are typically the new people that are still learning shit and you've got to send them to other places. Yeah. And people like, I think once you like talking about those steps and phases in business, I think when you take a, a big leap is when you stop referencing things based off time. Yeah. Like at the end of the day, everyone's getting the same outcome, which is, or same service working towards their outcomes. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really matter how long it takes for you to input things to get all those people to their goalposts because they're all moving towards them. They're paying you to do that. They're not paying you to put 
15 minutes of work per week into your check-in. Every single person needs 15 minutes. It's like, that's, that's a flawed way of thinking as well. Cause you're either just going to waffle your way to 15 minutes yeah. and that message is going to get lost. And if you're someone like me, I don't want to hear that. I just want to know exactly what I need to do. Yeah. And if it's a pat on the back and keep going and that's it, I'm done. Yeah. When there's other people that, you know, they need that, that extra uh, amount of uh, dialogue or, you know, they might need, like you said, um, the coming weeks at the start, like a little bit of extra time, but it's like, no one sets, like I don't set a stopwatch nah. to the, to my clients check-ins or whatever they get. Yeah. So it's like, I need to do X, Y, and Z for everybody. And as long as X, Y, and Z gets done, then I've, t- I've fulfilled my part of the agreement there. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the important part there is, is to take away like, because the clientele we attract individually and as a group within STC fit now fall within the niche or pretty close to that our systems work for them and the service that we've designed based on those individuals actually delivers the result. And then where they're playing the leadership mentoring role to achieve the outcome, like you said. So the, the, the service itself is creating the outcome and we're there to facilitate that and create that personal relationship. But your service itself should be doing the most of the work for you if you actually understand who's on the other end. Yep. Um, so yeah, even... So the, that's, I guess, covered sort of the behavioral stuff. So in terms of what's important to them, we kind of touched on it there. Like, is it important that they learn or is it important that they actually don't have to learn? They don't want to because like different people will have different um, goals around what they want from coaching. Like when I first started with my coach, it was like, Oh, my intent is to learn how you do things and understand it and all that sort of stuff. And then typically if I'm in a comp prep, I'm a little bit more that way. Like how come we're changing this? What's the plan here? What are we going to do in a few weeks? Like I want to know that stuff off season i'm like man i want to open my phone when i step into the garage and start training so understanding what type of clientele you typically have and being able to service those within your model um is very important does anything stand out i guess with with your clients you've noticed as your service has evolved over time that the input is more or less and the feedback has improved. Like what I've seen is like, as the, the input of, I guess, time as even though I don't like to use that metric, like the input of time on a weekly basis may be gone down per client, but the feedback from the clients has actually improved in terms of how happy they are with the service. Yeah. I, I think like I've, I obviously come up with the, the core foundations of the model that we have at the moment. So I've been able to use that for a really long time. So I don't know if I've seen any changes in it, but what I've seen is the clientele that like I've evolved to attract now. I get them. I get exactly what I need out of them to make a good decision for them. Yeah. Yeah. So um, because I obviously had to think about, well, what is, what are the people that, I and we as a brand typically work with and then thought, well, what are the things that they need to be mindful about on a weekly basis in terms of how they feel and what actually physically or objectively happens to them? 
And how can we put that into a way in an online format where we're monitoring those things? So us as a team can make really good decisions for them. Yeah. And then have something there that moves them towards the goalpost that they've identified as an issue, which is part of that coaching process, which we'll probably go over in another module. Yeah. Uh, sorry, another module. Jeez, you can tell I've been thinking about this stuff too much. Of course. <laughs> um, in another podcast. Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, so yeah, I think like, because we've done this so often, like, all these, re- all these assets start to, and the way you deliver your service start to evolve into, you know, this system and, and you know, this model and, and streamlining things and allowing you to take more people on and track the people that you like, uh, sorry, that you want. Where if you don't know, like all this stuff again is the first domino is knowing who you're working with. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're one of those people who's frustrated with the clients that you get and you're like, oh, this isn't for me you know, this type of training isn't for me, online coaching isn't for me or working in the gym isn't for me. And you're basing it off your experience of the first 20 people that you work with and you've got no idea who the person is that you actually want to attract. Yeah. And it's like, all this stuff's not going to work for you. Yeah. You know, so the first domino is definitely like either um, if you've got clients at the moment, just trying to have a look at some commonalities between them all, just seeing like what their goals are, who they are as a person, what they enjoy, like what affinity do they have to you as a person? Cause I know there's a lot of, we won't call them bad coaches, but not great ones that have lots of clients. So it's like, what's the affinity of that client to that person? Yeah. You know, so that's a really important thing for that particular person. Cause it's like, they're not getting their clients because they're maybe technically great or their service is good. They might just be a really cool fucking person. Yeah. So knowing all of that stuff for you guys, and then just like lining it up with the person that you actually have the most enjoyment, fulfillment in coaching. And that's going to be a combination of your technical abilities to get them there, mm-hmm. your interests, and obviously like the people that are going to buy off you. Yeah. You need to think about all of those things. And then you just go, all right, well, all the problems these people have, I'm going to solve them this way. Yeah. So I think what's interesting is, is obviously being doing this for so long, we often take for granted the stuff that we have and that we do um, that many coaches don't. So maybe just taking a couple of steps back, like we look at those three main problems that PTs have that we talked about on that, again, on that previous podcast, but they have no business structure, no income and clients, and then a really low return for effort in terms of like financial versus time and emotional energy invested. So when we look at this within the, the, the conversation of picking your service. It's like, okay, how do I build a service that not only solves the client's problems, but also solves my own problems and then becomes a profitable model within that. Um, it was actually really interesting. I was having a conversation during the week around, around specifically this of like one thing that I think is a strength of STC fit is we've never sat around and tried to look at the competition and figure out what they're doing and try and even if we like thought about doing it better we've never really done that it's been initially it was like okay what does the client need how do we deliver that sweet let's make sure it's profitable as well then we started putting on other coaches it was like okay what do we need what does the client need what does the coach need and then does that work within a business model that works for to keep the, the doors open at the company as well so we just kept filling those holes over time rather than like, oh, well, such and such is doing this in their mentorship or such and such is doing this in their personal training. It's just been always just like looking at client first, 
And then obviously with trainers in, involves like they're a client essentially of the business as well. How do we make sure we solve their problems? And then the business has got its own problems for making sure we're solving those. So looking at this through that lens of solve the problem for the client, also solve the problem that you have in your business right now, which is likely going to be those things. You don't have a lineup of a waiting list of clients sitting at the door. Um, you're not really comfortable if, if I sat down and said like, how does your business work? Most personal trainers just be like, I train people. Like <laughs> they won't be able to give you a solid outline of what's going on. And because of those two things, they're working fucking hard for not much money. So then I guess the first thing that we, before we move on, we've, we've mentioned the word a couple of times now is that word of like assets. So it's like, as you grow and develop and learn all this stuff, you'll create resources for your clients. It's important to view those. I think it's really important to view those as assets. Everything you do within your business and everything that you create then becomes an asset. Anything that you can reuse is an asset. It adds value. Um, it just it makes you, whether it makes your business run better, it gets your clients better results, whatever the outcome of that asset is, it becomes an asset to you, like buying property or something like that um, with but looking at it through a business lens. So most of the people we work with primarily are face-to-face -face clients. Some are online. So we'll, we'll tackle this from both. We're starting from a face-to-face -face personal trainer. What is a, a standout PT offer? Obviously there's going to be face-to-face -face personal training involved some way, shape or form. So I think the biggest pushback we get quite often is around the session lengths that we run. Um, so we typically run 30 minute sessions with the psycho psychological impact of, well, selling at X amount of dollars per minute for 60 minutes versus that same dollar value for 45 minutes. It's a much higher price point, but it's still only one session. So the client is typically going to perceive the session to hold the value, not look at it as a dollar per minute relationship. So you're able typically to put on more sessions on average per client, which obviously means you'd need to get less clients, makes things a little bit easier, particularly in the startup phase. And then long-term, once you're busy, you're earning a greater dollar per minute per hour. Um, over those block of clients. So that's something to consider. And a lot of people push back on that. Like, what about warm-ups? What about my program for an hour? I program for 90 minutes. Like, cool. How about we empower your clients to be able to train by themselves, not when they're just with you. And that's usually a big light bulb moment for people to go, Oh, you can do that. And it's like, fuck yeah, you can do that. <laughs> um, if your client's not, doesn't know how to do their warm up and be prepared for their session before you got there. When we look at the service, are you providing the best quality service that you could provide? So that's the first thing I guess that pops up for me is like, when we look at the service, we need to decide on our session length. We know we, like we said, for the business end of things, we need to increase our return for, for effort, but we also need to service the client. Now, if I go in and hold the hand of the client every single time they come in and train and I do their warm up with them and I watch them do their last set of bicep curls, am I fulfilling the need of that client to be able to have a long-term outcome trained by themselves, do four sessions a week when they can only afford me once or twice? Anything to add on that, Joyce? 
No, I think that, like, obviously the the model, the the offer in terms of this, the the PT sessions is going to change based off who you train. Mm. If we look at the people that we typically train, and we always look at things in a long term outcome for the clients, it's like I don't care if you train with us for twelve weeks or for five years, we're looking at things the same way. So it's we're, we've set up things in a way that encourages constant act, like constant. Uh, contact with the PT on a regular basis and with the idea of them getting to a point where they either scale back and they've still got the habits to train themselves or they might mold the time into a longer workout session once you're confident that that person can work alone for the other sessions in the week. So a lot of people give pushback on that 30 minutes at the start, that 30 minute session kind of system. But if you could catch up with someone 90 minutes over, th- over a week rather than, you know, an hour for one session, isn't that more valuable at the start, getting them into the gym, setting their sessions up so that the first 30 minutes is the most important and then the other 15 minutes you've, you've got resources or assets to teach them how to do the rest. And then eventually at some point you might get to do like one 45 minute or one hour session in a week. And you know that that person's set up to, you know, do the rest of the stuff on their own and they're going to get the best outcome possible. So I think that again, some of the issues come down to just that short sidedness of working with a client. Like they're still focused on just like, I need to trade time for money, get my money, do a program, maybe look at this goal of whatever the client wants to get. And that's it. It's like, if you think about how you act and behave and, and present yourself and the language you use, and if you set everything up to work with someone for a really long period of time, is you can always set things up to work with someone shorter. Mm. It's really hard to work it to work to, to flip it the other way and, and try and work with someone for a longer period of time and you, all your language and everything set up to think it's for something to be so acute. So I think that when you know who you work with and you know the problems are, you'll probably be able to dictate like the time length of a face-to-face session a bit easier. It's like if I came in now and was like, cool, I typically work with like physique athletes that have had about two years of training. I want to take their training to the next level get massive, get strong, get shredded. Probably not doing a half an hour session with those people. But what, like I train them now, didn't train them at the start. So things can start to evolve as your business does. But at all times, like you need to have this set up in a consistent manner. And it needs to be like part of this affinity of these people, like wanting to buy off you is like, are you, are you worth the time? Are you worth what's going on? Like a lot of people either, I feel like just charge because this person in the gym is charging that. Yeah. Um, or it's like, oh no, but my sessions go for this long. It's like, who cares? What else do you get? Yeah. You know, like what else is involved? Like, you know, what's, what's the experience? Like what's the client getting? What sets you apart from everybody else? What's going what's gonna to inspire them to talk to other people to tell you to work with them? Like, how are you going to build a strong relationship with this person so that they're going to stay with you for a really long time? You know, what, like, how are these people going to be loyal to you? Like, you know, we've seen in the online space, like people get like poached from like other coaches all the time. Hmm. And it's like, how are you going to build a relationship with this loyalty? And then they go, oh, well, this person actually come and said this to me, but I would never leave because I'm really happy with what I'm getting. Like, I feel like all of this stuff is just, you know, gets missed when you just think about things in such an acute fashion. Yeah. And then that's the reason why part of the reason why, like a lot of people have that high turnover too. It's like, 
average retention can be a really, really long time. Like I think mine was like two and a half to three years you know, for a face-to-face client. It's just like set things up based off what they needed and always make sure I was trying to improve what they got. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Um, it, I think it's, it's similar with powerlifting. Like half an hour, you're really just going to hit your top set. Um, <laughs> but there's different models you can start to look at. We're not going to go into it today and talk about all the different service models that you could have, like small group training and all that sort of shit. But there's different models that you can put in place inside of those that will allow you to leverage your time a little bit better as well. Um, I think Jason and I were probably at the advantage where we started to have an online business cracking as well. Face-to-face sort of became still an income stream, but more a, a love than anything else. So it was like doing our sessions because I just like doing face-to-face, I'm not here necessarily to maximize the income I'm trying to make. Um, but if you're in that situation where you, you've bought a job, so to speak, and you've mm-hmm. got no time, you've got no flexibility, you've got nothing sort of going on, it's like that's probably a shit way to approach it. Yeah. Um, it's interesting, actually. Like, I've run my garage gym exact opposite of how we coach everyone to run their business. So, like, no contracts, no direct debit, pay as you go, all that sort of stuff. Now, two clients start at the start. Both of them were said. One of them said, "I'm a hundred percent doing." face-to-face every single week for the next six weeks she did one session i haven't heard her had a book in again since and then the other was the same i'll probably do face-to-face till christmas and just did one hour session and then on their way they're online clients anyway they're still doing all their work but if they're on a direct debit with a t's and c's locked in this is your time you bet your ass they would have made time to be here for those sessions yeah yeah 100 percent. yeah like the garage is just an example of just like how everyone sets up their business and then wonders why they make any money. Yeah. Yeah. It's actually been, to be honest, probably good for me because the last two weeks and three weeks have been fucking hectic. <laughs> yeah. Well, you only set that up because like, I feel like subconsciously you kind of knew that that was going to be the best way to do it. Yeah. So it's a good example of just like give, give your clients all the rope and they'll pull the fuck out of it. Like, yeah. you know, if there's no boundaries, you will get trampled on. Like we talked, yeah. I think we wrote a post about that um on the instagram uh this week and um it's just like yeah set set there's no boundaries man like it's just a free-for-all like, i actually had someone message me when i shared that post i was like oh it's amazing that you actually have to write down what i would have thought was common courtesy and it's like oh you wouldn't believe what goes on like 5 30 yeah, a.m don't show up hey can we reschedule tomorrow like no <laughs> i'm here <laughs> every everyone has had that yeah and there's so many people that are just nice people that just go yeah cool and it's like okay well if you're gonna let that fly like that's just a trap yeah and that's what happens when you don't set boundaries all right so the next thing that we want to consider on from our face-to-face sessions is like what does a personal trainer do they should be prescribing exercise programs to people if you're not doing that um there is your biggest lowest hanging fruit for the biggest return is actually just start writing programs for your clients. It's the number one expected thing that a a PT does. So let's assume that um, you're at least on a level where you are programming for your clients. When we take the angle of like, okay, who the client, who is the client? What do they need? What are their wants? We can't address every single one of those today, but we can give you some things to think about that you'll look through through the lens based on who you work with. So do they 
is is your client base going to be like my corporate client that just basically said he'll train five days a week when he can and if he's got work he won't some days i some weeks i saw him twice a week sometimes i saw him five times a week if your clients like that and they're only going to train with you how are you going to program with them if they're variable week to week how are you going to set up a program that works still because it's not like oh well they're inconsistent with their training so i don't have to write a program so no 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 you still have to have some structured things that are going to happen to allow progressive overload to happen over time. And it needs to still be measured. It just might be a little bit more complicated and a little bit more reactive um, than someone who's diligent and comes in four times a week. So let's say you've got a typical big box gym client, which is what most people who listen to the podcast would probably have. So are they going to pay you, every time that they come into the gym are they let's and then take that a step further let's say oh their goal is that they want to because they're not confident in the gym or whatever so can they afford to pay you and get the best possible outcome just by being just by doing the sessions that they can afford with you so i think so an example of that is they can only afford twice a week but you know they need to train four times a week to get get the best outcome can they actually afford the four times a week and do you want to spend two hours a week with the same person, <laughs> which is also a consideration. So assumingly, let's say they're going to train with you once or twice a week. What are they going to do the rest of the time? How are you going to set that up? So then we start again, depending on the client, what are they going to need? First thing probably to think about is going to be an exercise library. So how in depth does your exercise library need to be based on the people that you train? So I find it interesting, the variability of the expectations that come with online training you put on new clients sometimes. And they're like, Hey, there's no video for this specific variation of this lap pull down. And it's like, Oh fuck. Like I can't have every single variation on film. I'm sorry. <laughs> like, videos. Yeah. If you, if you Google it or YouTube it, they'll, it'll come up. And then other people are like, Oh fuck, you actually have videos. I didn't expect that. I thought I'd have to YouTube everything. So it's interesting what different people expect at different times, but breaking that down to look at your clientele, how experienced are they? How in depth are your exercise videos going to be? Like, we have the privilege of working. I don't know if it's a privilege. We just have chosen to work with people who sort of know what they're doing in the gym already. So our exercise library can be, this is what a lap focus row looks like. It doesn't need to be a two minute clip of how to set it up, what to think about, what you're going to do wrong, all that sort of stuff, which we did do when we used to train fresh people. We used to have videos that were step-by-step everything you need to know for every session. Um, Anything to add on terms of like thought processes when creating exercise library, Jase? No, I just, if you're starting out putting it together, like just start small main movements, you know, nothing crazy, just videos on YouTube in a PDF so easy. Don't have to have some whiz bang resource. Like, yeah, just start off small and then fill the gaps where you need to later. Yeah. So if you guys aren't, aren't aware, you can make unlisted playlists on YouTube that you can share the link with your clients and they'll get access to them, but they won't be public. Um, that's a really effective way to create an exercise library very quickly. Yeah. And if you want to, you can then just take those YouTube links, create a spreadsheet, hyperlink each exercise and bang, you've got a spreadsheet that is your exercise library as well. That might just be organized a little bit neater. 
Um, trackable variables. So again, who you train with dict dictates what's important here. So Jason and I want to know volume load for not just probably the whole week, but also in each individual exercise. Um, is it progressing? What's not progressing? Why is it not progressing? That's important information for us to know based on working with strength athletes and people that want to get jacked. Does that really matter for Susan? Probably not. Did she do more than last week? Yes or no? Sweet. Move on with your life. Like it's probably enough. Not that there's no Susans that strength train or want to get jacked, but I think you guys understand that that is a, an avatar of a person. Yeah. What was it? What did we used to use? Susie Muffin Top. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, what are the variables? Obviously you put together the, the current programming models. Um, what other variables have you got in there that you find important that you'll look at often? Uh, generally, are we talking about the check-in now or the pro just, just the program itself? Uh, not much else. Like I'll, I like the, the volume load and I'll, I like the distribution of movement patterns or muscle groups for volume as well. Um, and then, yeah, just like having some form of like RIR, like objective and subjective prescription as well, or like data. So like what I said it as and what they thought it felt like, because yeah, they're two totally different things. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's it. You know, I try not to overcomplicate the training stuff. Like I think that that's kind of all we need to do. Yeah. If you guys are interested with the rep and reserve stuff, how we did that. So we basically have a model now that predicts what you should lift based on the actual RIR of the weight you lifted the week before. Um, it's on the website in articles. So sccfitlearning.com forward slash articles. It's called RPE Fitspo jargon or training epiphany. And it'll take you through the entire process of what we did. Even the formulas of that are there. We've pretty much done everything except give you the template. You have to do that part yourself or find a Jason that can do that part. <laughs> Out of my soul, putting it together. <laughs> um, but yeah, like you said, the, the people we work with, I find really valuable the um, quantification of movement parts and movement types um, over over a program to just create the program. Uh, yeah. Total sets, I obviously look at yeah, watching that kind of volume drive, drive up or stay the same or whatever over a program, depending on times or that sort of thing. Clients. Some of mine care, most of mine don't. Yeah. Um, the next thing I've got here is like positive reinforcement techniques. So like our latest uh, iteration, I guess, of, of the program templates, Jace has made the volume load box change colors. So if you were better than last week, <laughs> for the ear people that also took a piece of Jason's soul. Um, so if you, if you overachieve based on last week's, um, efforts then your box will turn green uh, or yellow or red depending on what yellow, your or, yellow or orange because red yeah. is a negative color and we don't want yeah. we don't no want red it. pens That's right. um, so things like that that you might be able to build in in terms of like just giving your clients everything at the moment's gamified right like your wearables your step count all of that shit is like it's all being gamified to make it fun yeah. So how is there a way that you can put that into your programming model to, to have that obviously psychological benefits and stuff. Yeah. yeah. It's a reward mechanism. So people, we love that shit. Yeah. Yeah. 
So then looking at this, so we made, made mention earlier that most of our exercise library now is literally just like someone doing the exercise. It's usually 15 to 30 seconds. Someone just completing the exercise the way it should be completed. We're able to do that because we have a complete, um, I guess, education portal, which contains how to train properly how to understand how the pec works, how to understand how the squat works, how to train your quads properly, what you need to think about, what you need to understand, how you need to set up based on your individual um, morphology and all of that sort of stuff is actually there in an external asset that we give to our clients. So that again, took a little bit more effort, but we filmed it once and now we're able to make our exercise library much more simple. And then if you talk about like, oh, well, how, how do you spend such little time with your check-ins? It's like, well, I either need to, if I watch a video, I can be like, hey, go watch the version in the exercise library. That's how I want you to do it. If it's, if it's an individual that can just see and do. Um, or if it needs a lot of work, it's like, hey, go watch the bench press module where we're missing things right from the setup all the way through. Just go and watch that. And I want you to execute it this way next week. So having a think about that a lot of people and this is the thing we we hear the most often is like feels like maybe it's not as individualized for the, the the person you're working with like the coach isn't doing everything but can you imagine as a client what that's like for your trainer to have an education portal that you can go and learn say from a 15 minute video and text that's written out that explains exactly how to go through the entire set up of a bench press and then execute it versus yeah cool a loom video is great and you've fallen around on your chair trying to solve positions and shit like which one do you think is actually going to offer more value to the client don't get me wrong i still do some weird shit in checking videos yeah, same. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh Programming information. Do your clientele want to know why you program the way that you do? Some do. Yeah. So that is something that's important to consider. If you're training mostly fat loss clients, maybe they don't care that you've got four layers of fucking uh, volume measurement that goes into putting together your strength program, or you're deliberately training X amount of sets of chest versus back this program. Like they probably don't give a fuck. So there's no point putting it in there or spending heaps of time on it. But if you're getting that question, it's time to create an asset to deliver that information for you. Yeah. Sweet. Do we miss anything on programming, Jace? No, no, it's pretty comprehensive. So they're the fundamentals guys. Like everyone should be doing those regardless. Uh, if you're a brand new personal trainer, get those two things right. So figure out, how you're going to run your sessions, make sure it works for the client, write them a program that empowers them to train without you and gets them in doing the stuff that they're paying you to do to get the outcome they're paying you to get. The next step from there, starting to work into like, all right, what's a standout PT do compared to what we would consider, I guess, is the baseline standard, even though a lot of PTs exist under that. Starting to, the first thing I would say is like adding a check-in. So what are your considerations in terms of putting together a check-in process for clients? Uh, making it simple, uh, applicable to the people you work with, 
um, and understanding the importance of what you're putting in there. So some people at the start, like putting in all these objective, these objective numbers isn't may not be worth it. If like the behaviors and stuff need modifying. So maybe reinforcing behavior modification and using, you know, other things to get that person to check in with is better. Like, you know, how many sessions did you do this week? You know, how do you feel about that? You know, what's the plan for this week? You know, what's something that we can work on um, that's, you know, kind of been in the, an issue that's getting in the way of the goals. Like if that's in most cases, like if someone doesn't have those things on lock, then it doesn't really matter. Like what, what their weekly macros were and, you know, like what you're going to do for them or prescribe their macros for the week. It's like, they're not doing the stuff, the lower hanging fruit first. So I would go always with the lower hanging fruit. And then after that, I would then start to put in the data that the objective data that you can interpret and make a good decision on. So we talk about all the time. Um, there's no point putting stuff in there that just makes you either come across as smart and you can't use it to interpret anything. Like it's just input from someone from the client's perspective that they don't really need to use. So only make, only put in there what you need and so that you can interpret it and make a decision for them. I like that. The only thing I think I would add there is making sure that you're looking at it through the, the lens of empowering the client, not having the client rely on you. Yep. So like one, one of our question is what is the one thing that you're working on this week? How, why, and when yep. So they set their own goals because they know most people know, and if they don't, they can ask any questions, but Correct. most people know, what was my macros this week that let me down? It was my sleep this week that let me down? It was I missed a session or I didn't train hard enough or whatever. So allowing them to right, this is a commitment. This is how I'm going to achieve it and, and fucking get it done is way more using that word again, empowering to a client than you telling them what to do. Mm. Yeah. Like just understand like what that check-in serves for you and for them. I think like as well, like, I'm not sure, but like some people like, you know, look at a check-in and just think it's like a big opportunity to just like wag your dick around as a PT, like, because, you know, that's what coaches do. Yeah. Um, it's like, sometimes it's just reinforced behavior. Um, give you, give you accountability in a situation where you may not see someone on a regular basis. Um, and then have those conversations that you would love to have during a session, but just eat up way too much of your time. Mm. It's like, Monday's not check-in day to make you think you're important as a coach and you can put on Instagram. Yeah. No, it's, it's, here's an opportunity to have the conversations that I need to have either in a face-to-face setting that I don't get to have, or here's an opportunity for me to fulfill my obligations as an online coach. Cause it's a big yeah. element to that. So then you're like, everything falls in after that. If you know what that is, like what that check-in serves for the client, then you just make it based off that. It doesn't have to be whiz bang. It just needs to be consistent. You need to be able to look at the information in the past. You need so you can, you know, trend some stuff. And it just needs to be easily used from both ends. Yeah. Yeah, hundred percent. So once you've got your check-in procedure in place, it really starts to become customized based on the client that you're going to use. Now, delivery method for all of this stuff we're going to start talking about like external assets that are not necessarily part of the program template or like on their spreadsheet. It might be, might not necessarily be. So when we first started doing this stuff, I just used to run a client resources 
because I used to use that word as well. Um, G drive folder that just had everything that they needed on it. So it was like a, a start here folder that was how to set up your Mac, how to set up my fitness pal, how to enter your macros, how to track, how to use your program, um, how to do your check-in, all that how-to stuff and procedural stuff, had a reminder of my terms and conditions. All of that was just there. So you sign up. I don't need to give you another one hour, two hour call and sit through and work with work with you to set all this stuff up. It's all there as, a, as an asset for you to go and watch and repeat watch and watch again if you don't get it right um, in a time that's suitable to the client rather than me. So they're the main ones. I feel like if you want your clients to be doing stuff without you, you should be providing a tutorial on how to do it. So if it is tracking nutrition, whatever format you choose, um, this is how I want you to do it. This is why that sort of explanation. So then when you get those clients that do ask why it's already in the videos mm. and then you get to test them sometimes like Jason and I do and you have questions and they answer those questions and you say, you didn't watch the video. Yeah. <laughs> Which again, all of this stuff, obviously you can tell STC fit has that very clear message of empowering the client, not having the client rely on them. Mm. And as much as that seems maybe rough sometimes that a client asks a question, it's like, Hey, it's in your video, go watch it. It's like that, that is teaching the client to take responsibility of their own stuff and not just turning to you every single time, which long-term is obviously going to have a much better outcome for the client. Yeah. Yeah. Like if there's people already kind of, you know, thinking about that, like that's come to mind. It's like, Oh, I don't want to teach the client that much because they'll leave. Like, I don't want to, you know, um, empower them too much. Then yeah, like probably need to shift the mindset a little bit just with like why you're, you know, in this, uh, this industry in the first place. Yeah. Um, and then obviously we're going to reinforce the idea that if you take care of, you know, everything for someone and make them dependent that you'll probably run a very unreliable business and you'll be very unfulfilled because the people won't really get the outcomes that they want. But if you take, if you flip the coin and approach things the other way, it'll make your job very, very fulfilling. And if you empower people to do what they're supposed to do, they'll actually do it and then they'll get the results you want. And then they'll likely stay or tell like 15 other people about you. Yeah. Yeah. I think we've got about 150 clients across the board right now. Average retention online in the gym is somewhere in excess of nine months. Yeah. So I think, and we give the, our guys everything to do it by themselves. So after you've give, done your tutorials, we start thinking about, okay, what questions do we get a lot? What problems do we see a lot? What is not working? So one that always stands out for me is like sleep. It's like a sleep protocol, something like that. Um, Lowe's lifestyle intervention type things that are really effective that you can just create as a resource. Hey, I'm going to send you something. I want you to work on this over the next two to three weeks. Um, I think if we look at ours at the moment, we've, we've started to develop almost what's like a course for our clients. So we have a mindset section. We have a nutrition section, training execution, a little bit of a rundown of programming and then interventions with the lifestyle stuff as well. So everything we, we do the same thing as we, we talked about earlier, identify what the common mistakes are and the problems are within that 
actual variable. So what comes up from a mindset point of view with most of our clients? What can we put in place to solve those problems, build it as an asset, and then our clients get that. We use Teachable now. If you guys want to get into that sort of delivery method, you can just use Google Drive. Um, I never had anyone complain about Google Drive. I just had lots of people say that Teachable is fucking cool. <laughs> so Slack, but it's obviously a paid service. It's a little bit different. Um, yeah, anything to, I guess, to spin off on that, Jace? No, I think the thing should be that just the client experience is the, is the aim to improve that and all this stuff is, is there to do that and obviously to leverage your um, time and efficiency. So everything that we're like kind of mentioning here is an example of like a way to fill a hole that you have in your client and coach kind of service. And we want to make sure it's streamlined so you don't have the, you don't have to repeat it. Like you want to make sure that everything you're doing is building upon something and you have these assets to leverage things like time and efficiency. Um, but you're also doing this to make sure that the client has, you know, just stuff that stand out from other people in the industry, other people that work in your space. And then that client's experience with you is so awesome that they'll stay and they'll just, you know, tell everyone about you. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. So I think if you've got all those things in place, you're beginning to, have a pretty solid business running at this point. The next step from there to, I guess, the feather in the cap of that standout PT is the community aspect of what you do. And Jason, you mentioned earlier, like that PT that's not necessarily the most technically proficient in the gym that's fucking busy. Guarantee that that person probably has the best community aspect of all the PTs in the gym. Yeah. And that's what keeps people there. They all their clients know each other. They're all engaged with each other, whatever it is, they've created a community within their personal training group. So that's things like apparel, Facebook groups, running events. Like we run our a photo shoot and a, a pretend powerlifting competition, um, group chats. Each coach has a group chat with their clients. We run Facebook lives all of those little extra things that you can create that create community, get your clients to meet each other, chat to each other, to get to know each other, super, super valuable and allows you to provide more value to your clients. The events are insane. Obviously the ability to provide a long-term goal for your clients that's repetitive, like doing that lift off. It's like, cool, you totaled 300 this time. We're going to get 350 six months from now. Let's go. Um, super, super valuable. And, being a, everyone wants to be a part of some kind of community. Yeah. I feel like that's, that's it on that front. Hey, like the other stuff that we add. Yeah. There's a lot of like, if you don't have ideas after all of that, yeah. like you probably don't need to be listening to this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> so like, if you're doing yeah, all so, that, it's like you're, you're, you're killing it. Yeah. So obviously like price points and stuff can vary depending on the level of service you're going to offer. Even online coaches I know that run like daily conversations or weekly Zoom calls or group Zoom call check-ins, like that sort of stuff. It's obviously something you can do. It's not something that we, we do or necessarily would recommend. It just really depends on your client base. Um, depends on who you're going to work with, what they're willing to pay. And then making sure that you're ticking those boxes from earlier is like, does it solve the problems that the client has, but also does it solve the problems that the business has in terms of reward for effort, 
Are you going to create new clients by doing it? All that sort of stuff. Make sure you've got those boxes ticked. Yeah. And don't, don't offer a service out of fear and create a problem for yourself. So the one thing that really kind of bothers me is the 24 seven thing. Yeah. Support. It's like, you're not answering me back at 3am. Yeah. You're not doing it. Stop saying it's a thing. It's like set, we're supposed to be building businesses that work for us, not us work for them. Mm. So going out and like offering that, like, I don't care if like my coach doesn't have 24 seven supports, like, Hey man, what do I do when I need an inquiry? Like need to talk to you, Yeah, send a message. I'll get back to you in 12 to 24 hours. If it's super urgent, you know, there's this contact to find me. Yeah. Like that's it. So you know, I don't need the 24 seven thing. Mm. It's like, so don't think you need to like, that's like the sprinkle on top of the package that's going to get people over the line. It's like, no one wants that shit. They want you to solve their problems and they want to see that the service will do that. And it's really, and it's really valuable to them. Yeah. So don't, don't set a service up, create that's good and create an issue like that and have all of these people contacting you at all weird times. Cause I'm telling you now. And then they get will. shitty when someone messages you at Saturday night at 10 PM. Yeah. Cause they will. It's like set the boundaries. Boundaries are so important. It's like, you don't have boundaries. Like we just live in an age where there's no such thing as a weekend, probably at some point or the weekends just on different days for people. Now, you know, we can work all the time. We go out all the time. We can communicate all the time. So if you don't set those boundaries, these things will just happen and then you will get frustrated and you will become unfulfilled and you know, you'll create this big problem for yourselves. Yeah. So to recap, make sure you know who your client is not just who they are and their problems, but how they behave and what's actually important to them, what they want to get out of the service um, in not just the, the physical outcomes, like what, what do they want to see? What are their expectations? Make sure you're delivering that. Um, start using the term assets and start creating them. In terms of PT, standout PT, you should have an empowerment-based face-to-face session model. So they're not relying on you. They train with you, but they also train by themselves. That's going to be heavily reliant on your ability to deliver good programming with assets that contribute to the programming being effective for the client you're working with. Add in a weekly check-in, how you do that. Um, we use a spreadsheet at the moment. In the past, we've used like private Facebook groups with just you and the individual in there. You can do group ones, however it is you want to execute that. I think it's very quickly becoming industry standard. So don't get left behind with that one if you're not doing it already. Um, external assets, things like goal setting, movement prep, lifestyle interventions, uh, tutorials on mindset, nutrition, training execution, um, why you program the way you program for those people who do want to learn. It might only be 15%. But like Jay said earlier, you if you have it for the most, the person that asks the most questions and you reverse engineer it from there, you're going to cover everybody and everybody's going to be satisfied. Add in that other stuff, start thinking about community. How can you drive community within your clients? Obviously Christmas coming up. Do you have a Christmas party? Are you doing something um, for your clients? Facebook groups, events, chats, all that sort of stuff. Put those things together you're going to be up there industry leader with the service you're providing your clients, which will make you stand out. Your clients will last longer. Most people that are listening to this right now, if you execute all of this, you put your price up tomorrow, five, 10 bucks straight away. So in terms of return for effort, that's gone up. 
you're actually probably going to reduce your input as well. So your time per minute has gone up. Everybody's happy. It's serving the client better. It's serving the business better. Happy days. Yep. All right. Um, so yeah, stcfitlearning.com is now the official website. We, we don't have to just reference Instagram now because we have a, a website that has stuff on it. Um, there's a lot of things on there at the moment that are coming soon. So keep an eye on at stcfit underscore learning Instagram. Uh, we're going to be dropping a lot of free gifts that are coming out. So we've got um, how to niche your business, our squat bench deadlift tutorials, and then uh, some case studies of um, going from struggle street to uh, at capacity. So keep an eye out for those. A couple of little bits and pieces that are coming too. Uh, at STC Fit, if you're interested in getting some form of coaching, be it from the two of us or any of the four girls, um, if you guys haven't been paying attention, we've put on two more online trainers. So shout out to Chloe and Tegan. Mm. Welcome to the team, ladies. Um, so get on, show them some support, give them a follow and stuff as well. We're putting out some good content already, which is cool. I believe that's everything. It is. Sweet. I'll take a screenshot, share it, tag at Ben Scott STC, at Jason Galea underscore STC, and at STC Fit underscore learning. That would be muchly appreciated as well. Very cool. All right. I hope you enjoyed that one, guys. A lot of take-homes. Might have to watch that a couple of times with the notepad and the pen. But um, yeah, we'd love to know your feedback from it as well and what takeaways you got from it. Yeah. Yeah, definitely would appreciate some feedback. Obviously, you guys would be aware the tone of the podcast has sort of shifted more towards personal trainers at the moment. So uh, anything that you guys would specifically like to know, we will cover the be great pillar, which is your technical skills. So don't think we're never going to talk about training again. Jason, I still fucking love that shit. We're still going to nerd out on it. We're still going to have guests all around those topics. Um, there's just, I think what we're, we're identifying at the moment is most personal trainers. If you have a look at those five pillars in the scorecard, the B great is the highest scoring pillar and they're struggling everywhere else. So let's put some attention into where it's most needed. Yep. Yep. Agreed. All right, guys, we will be back again next week. So we'll speak to you then. Ciao.